Welcome to the Flower Hour Podcast, the podcast where conversations blossom. It is your boy, Sean Flores. If you love this podcast and you've really enjoyed it, please share, subscribe and follow and look forward to the journey we will be going on. Hello, hello. You're joined here with Sean Flores, Flower Hour. I am joined today by Afaluke, another All African Colours contestant. I'm looking forward to having this great conversation with you today, Afaluke. How are you, most importantly? I'm very well, thank you, Sean. How are you? I- I'm good. I've had um, some great conversations. I'm looking forward to having another fantastic one. All, all of you contestants are different individuals, to say the least. And so uh, it's just, I'm excited, most importantly. I'm quite ecstatic. So I'd love for you to start off this conversation by just introducing yourself and telling us a little bit more about you. Hello, everybody. My name is Afuluka Adapa. I'm 27 years old, and I'm currently working as an analyst with the Bank of America. In my spare time, I enjoy reading lots of books, so hence the bookcase. And I also like to read, uh, play the piano. And so currently I'm trying to learn a few classical pieces and a few modern pieces. Um, I look forward to sharing my journey with you through this podcast. So I'm very excited. Thank you for having me. Yeah, the first thing that when I came on the screen was I see all the books. And when I see a lot of books, I know that there's a lot that we could talk about. Because if you saw my library, my library is pretty big as well. We could trade some books, a little book club. I like books. No, absolutely. So. The first thing I've got to ask you is, um, why did you, I suppose, join the competition? What inspired you to apply? Well, I decided to write a list of things that I'd like to do in my life at the end of 2019, sort of for the new year, like an annual review that I started last year. And Become a Beauty Queen was on that list. So I looked at the different organizations that were out there and the only one that really stood out to me and that I knew that I could resonate with was the Miss World organization so I applied for Miss England I put my face on this the application form um I think I put it like a few times just in case they didn't see it and eventually they got back to me with the Miss All African Colors competition uh, so that's how I got into it. And, and what was that moment like when you were accepted and now you've made it to another heat? I was confused because I didn't really know how the whole beauty pageant process worked. Uh, this is my first time. So I, I um, just was able to apply and I was quite grateful for this opportunity because it's something new and it's not a lot of people that do this type of thing so it was quite exciting no and i could imagine with all that excitement how have you been able to contain it because you're in another heat right now so it's a when do you find out when you make it through and what would it be like what would your feelings be like when you make it through you think when we made it through the final uh i was quite pleased because we had to send in videos of ourselves uh, it was a, a series of four videos. So one was walking, another was uh, introducing ourselves, and another was a talent. So yeah. I decided to play the piano, 
Um, and the other thing was to send a picture of myself. Um, so I, I, I thought I would get rejected, to be honest, but I was surprised when Miss Yvette, who's our director, called me up and said, do you still want to do this? And I was like, wow, yeah. I was kind of scared, but I'm glad that I decided to go through with it. Now I can imagine. It must be such an exhilarating experience that you're going through. So I wanted to speak a little bit about you and all the stuff that you're doing, because I know the very ethos and the very idea is that models or people who are part of beauty pageants or contests, whatever they may be, they're more than just their looks. You said that you work um, as well on top of it. So you studied, I presume, as well. And you said you recently just graduated, if I'm correct. Well, yeah, I, I graduated last year with a master's degree in financial services management with the University of South Wales, okay. uh, which was, it was, a, thank you, thank you. It was, it was interesting, it was different. Um, I'm glad I had the opportunity to do that. And then I was able to get a position with the Bank of America, which I'm quite excited about. It's a great place so far. I've just started, but it's really good. So, and you're surviving amongst all the COVID madness that's happening right now in the world. Everything's in lockdown. Yeah, it's been different starting from home rather than going to an actual office. But it's, uh, it's been quite good. A, a smooth transition, as smooth as you could make it mm. during this time. And also working from home has allowed me to get involved with certain activities that I wasn't able to get involved with before. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's been good. Can't and, complain. And, and how do you, so I want to get a little bit deeper. I want to ask you, how do you feel with the beauty standards in society at the moment? Because I think we spoke about the diversity of this heat. That's huge. So when you think of diversity, what comes to mind? Oh, that's a wonderful question. When I think about diversity, I think about displaying a little bit of each part of the world. So this world is filled with so many types of people, uh, so many different face shapes, body shapes. And I think to have something that's diverse, we need to try and represent each and every one of these uh, different types of beauty so that we can show the next generation that beauty isn't just one way, it's in many different ways and we're all beautiful. Absolutely. And when you were growing up, did you ever envision that someone who looks like yourself could perhaps be on you know, a pageant or a competition? Because whenever I think about Nigeria, I was saying this to another contestant that what comes to mind was, um, I can't remember, Miss Nigeria when she was more happy at somebody else winning compared to herself. That's what all I know about beauty pageants or that's all I know about contests. So what is it like being able to represent, I suppose, in some aspects, some of the young girls that perhaps could never envision themselves being beauty queens? Ah, oh, it's a dream come true. Uh, I never really thought about going into a beauty competition myself when I was younger, uh, just because many of the beauty contests that I saw would mostly choose um, white girls and things like that. Yeah. Uh, they weren't really, yeah, they weren't choosing um, black girls or anyone else really. Um, but the one thing that sort of pushed me to join was 
seeing Miss USA 2016. She's uh, called Deshona Baba, and she's a dark-skinned African-American woman who won that title. Uh, so I thought, oh, that's really cool. That's different. Um, so I guess from then on, I thought, if I get the chance, perhaps I'll go for it. You never know what could happen. And I'm kind of grateful that I have had the opportunity to do this because I get to show my little cousins um, and they're really excited. Uh, and it, I sort of, I think it's something that's quite a good activity to get into it if you're a certain age. I think it's better to be a little bit older um, because you know yourself a little bit more and mm. you're not as swayed by the opinions of others as you would be if you were a teenager getting into this. Oh, okay. So do you feel like, what were you, how would you describe yourself when you were younger? Because you've just mentioned that you think it's better if you're older to, I suppose, join these competitions. So what were you like when you were younger and how does the young you compare to the older Afaluke? I think when I was younger, I came across as more shy. Mm. Um, I was referred to as quiet. I guess I still am, but I'm a lot more confident these days. I'm yeah. hopefully better at public speaking because I used to be quite bad. That's why I decided to join um, a group called Toastmasters, which they help you improve in that area. And yeah, so I think, I think I've grown uh, from little me to big me now. Uh, so, yeah. so you were previously shy? Yes. How shy were you on a scale of one to 10? Because I used to be super shy as well. People think I'm so confident now, but I was so shy that when people used to try and speak to me, I used to run away. I, I, even when I was pinned in, I used to wish the ground would swallow me. Was it anything like that for yourself? No, not that shy. Oh, so, 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 so obviously I was worse. Yeah, I, I think, well, I'm not, sure, I'm not actually sure if I was actually shy or just shy compared to other people. I think I was more quiet. Okay. Um, compared to other people um, because in you know in Nigeria they value loud people more than the quiet ones <laughs> so I think I think that got into my head a lot and oh. affected my confidence so mm. now that you mention it I don't think I was truly that shy but <laughs> I have definitely come out of my shell a lot more in the years um, that I've, most recently so because um, when I was younger, I grew up with so many Nigerians around me and they were always loud. And it's so interesting yeah. that you said in Nigeria, they value um, Nigerians who are more loud compared to yeah. as they are quiet. So could you tell me a little bit more about your background? Did you, were you born in Nigeria, grew up in Nigeria, came to London? Just tell me a little bit more. I'd love to hear how that shaped the young, the person that you are today. Oh, well, I was born in the early 90s in Bradford, which is again the northeast of England, it's North Yorkshire. Um, there's not a lot of black people around, so mm. for most of my growing up, I was the only myself and my twin brother would be the only black people in the entire school, which oh, wow. is, is a lot of pressure because um, when you're the only one, you feel you need to represent 
your whole entire ethnic group properly like you can't fail because yeah. it makes us all look bad and you can't make us look bad it's a disgrace upon your ancestors and the future generations so um it was it's a so we did feel that sort of pressure and also we did have a little bit of stereotyping mm. but i yeah a stereotyping like um because back then a lot of people hadn't seen many black people in their area so what they're seeing of black people is what they're seeing in hollywood which isn't real life <laughs> so they would um attribute that to to the way i was supposed to be the way i was supposed to act and i i don't think i um ever molded to that because i'm completely different like every person's an individual people are more than their ethnic group even though ethnic identity is really important uh we're more so yeah i, I never really fell into it and i did have a wonderful group of friends who didn't really care about ethnic group and things like that like uh, not in a bad way it was an in interesting way they wanted to know more about my background and they were interested in the things that um i had in my culture so that really helped uh, it was it was interesting because um i learned to see people as people and not as their ethnic group i don't have to yeah. be the same color as you to be really good friends um but yeah yeah, it was it was an interesting growing up, and then I think I learned to code switch as well. Um, <laughs> so you talk one, you behave one way with a certain group of people, then behave another way with the rest. Um, but as I'm getting older, um, I don't need to do that anymore. My worlds are just merging into one, which is quite nice. So. <laughs> Could you explain code switching? I know what code switching is, but for those who probably watch it, I probably don't know what it means. Could you explain code switching and why it, it was so relevant for you at the time? Oh, well, uh, <laughs> I'll try my best. So code switching is where you, um, your language changes depending on the people that you're around. Uh, and it's, in order to, for you to relate better to them uh, so i i think i guess with um with nigerians uh, they have a language called pidgin language which is pidgin english which is a a bunch of different uh parts of their traditional language and english all mixed together and it's it was created so that everybody uh would have a communal language to talk to each other with um so uh, a lot of Nigerians in abroad, they uh, when they see their Nigerian friends, they speak pidgin to them. Um, but you can't do that with your white friends because they don't understand what you're saying. So yeah. you'll sort of change your language to make yourself um, easier to understand between the two different groups. Uh, I, I was never really that great. I, I never spoke pidgin or anything. I was too shy for that. But <laughs> I I did a bit of code switching. <laughs> Okay. And then as you got older, you said you realized you weren't doing it as much. You, you could merge everything yeah, into one. What was that yeah. as a result of? Pardon? What was that as a result of? I, I think it was just uh, when uh, my 
my friends from school started coming home and we started getting to know them a bit more and yeah so it it sort of changed the way we related okay and do you find but by being in the competition you've been able to relate to other people even more so uh the competition has caused some interest it, especially at work as a because i'm new there uh, they want to know about me and they want to know the interesting facts so my interest <laughs> is sort of this and they they love it they're really excited to see the progress and every week they ask me oh how's it going um so it's it's generated interest in uh, my work and also in my family as well i i didn't think they would care that much but they're actually quite excited like yeah i've been i've been using my brother's phone to help me take pictures because my phone is uh, is appalling it's not great so uh, they're my photographers they also help me um with my speeches and things like that so i i kind of i've been i've been um connecting with the different communities that i'm part of a lot mm. more since entering this competition and it's been quite good yeah so at work, you've got this newfound fame. Although you're new, you've got like so much more attention than you would ordinarily get. And you spoke about the interesting facts. Tell us some interesting facts. About me? Of course, about you. Who else? <laughs> okay. So I was born with six fingers. You can't really see them because they, they cut them off. Okay. Yeah. My, my mom and dad told them to cut them off because it's weird. Um, I'm a twin. Yeah. I'm, I'm the youngest twin. And uh, when I was seven years old, I cut my arm on a soap holder by accident. And I have wow. a scar. Yeah. It looks bad. Oh. Oh, that looks gruesome. Yeah. Yeah. That is, that is certainly some interesting facts. Yeah. Oh wow! To be grown as six fingers, I've got five. Maybe I should I should have had one more. I could, you never know what life would have been like. <laughs> yeah, but most things are made for people with uh, five fingers. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So, I would love to ask you. You and I were speaking about um, purpose and your beauty with a purpose. Could you tell me a little bit more about it and go into it so everyone can understand? Ah, so Beauty with a Purpose is Miss World's charity side and each girl who competes in any heat of the competition has to support a charity because the idea is that uh, your real beauty is the kind things that you do for other people. It's not what you look like. So my Beauty with a Purpose is um, helping the organization called Equip Africa which is an organization founded by a bunch of medical students whilst they were in uni. And they equip, enlighten, and empower uh, healthcare professionals in sub-Saharan Africa and their patients uh, through doing a different project. So the first project was supplying equipment to General Hospital in Lagos. And they've grown since then Currently, they're restructuring, but they have a bunch of plans for the future and um, trying to raise some funds and some 
awareness uh, for their work because they're doing great work. Oh, wow. Fantastic. And why did you particularly choose the Equip Africa compared to any of the charities that you could have chosen? I chose this one because I was inspired by the fact that young people were doing what they could with what they had and not waiting until they got more qualifications or until um, they were more experienced uh, to try and help the a community that they saw needed the help mm. and a community that they connected with as well because um, these medical students were um, Nigerian origin mm. so it was nice to see them going back to their country of origin and trying to help them uh, so that's that's really why I um, was first interested in that and um, to see the work that they've done uh, it's so impressive it's helped quite a lot of people um, so I really want to help them and through the All African Colours contest, how would you be able to help them if you went on to win the competition? I think that the most important thing is raising awareness. So once pe more people know about the work that they're doing, they can get a lot more help in terms of money and also um, just moral support, which they can use to... Um, gather other healthcare professionals who want to join in uh, because there's a lot of people who want to help and they're looking for organizations to help, but they don't know about it. So if I can raise some kind of awareness and some funds as well, that would be great. And that's something that I would like to continue throughout the future because they are restructuring. So I'd like to be there to help them once, once they do restructure and once they figure out uh, what path they're going to take for the future, especially in light of COVID, they have to do things differently, and it does take a while to uh, to find um, to restructure yourself and to find the path, the right path to take um, when doing this. So it's something that I want to continue. And do you feel with when you look at people that have had less and they're not waiting? on the opportunities to be presented to them. What do you think that says about, for example, the world in which we live where people are always waiting for the opportunity? Do you feel like as individuals, we should almost be a bit more of a go-getter, go out and get in, don't wait on the opportunity, don't wait for the right time. The time is always right as long as you make it right. Yeah, I think that's a good point. For me, I'm, I'm sort of the person that, uh, can procrastinate like I've procrastinated so many times in my life and just uh, been a bit laid back and waiting for the right opportunities to arise but uh, I think I'm learning that that, it, that, that it, life doesn't really work that way you have to just keep going and keep preparing and um, those opportunities will come but you might not know the opportunity when it comes you just have to uh, say yes to the things that are in front of you and see what you can actually do and not think about all the things that you can't do yeah absolutely and i do you feel the ability to go out and go and 
get it and to do it irrespective if it's there or not epitomizes your kind of personality in terms of uh, why you applied for the contest and what you're going to be able to do after it and during it uh, yes so i do like this quote by thomas edison and it's on my laptop so i see it every day and it goes like this our greatest weakness lies in giving up the most certain way to is to try just one more time so when i see that i just think um when I feel like giving up, I just um, push myself a little bit more. Um, I tell myself one more time, one more time. And um, I think that if you break it down in steps, it's gonna help you rather than seeing um, such a big picture that is unattainable. If you break things down into smaller steps, uh, eventually you'll get to places that you've never dreamed of. Like I never thought I'd be doing anything like this but it was just one step at a time saying yes to the phone call um showing up to the different photo shoots uh doing all this social media posts connecting with the different girls uh it was little by little and then all of a sudden you wake up and you're in a completely different place uh so and being in that completely different place and in light of what Thomas Edison said with the quote did you ever want to give up? Did you ever have that moment where you're like, do you know what? This quote doesn't relate to me anymore. I'm just going to give up this time. Yeah, <laughs> frequently. Um, there's, there's times when I think, oh, I just can't do this. <laughs> I really can't do this. But I just, I just struggle with it because I think it's okay to struggle. But what's not okay is to stop. Like you can pause, but you can't stop. You have to keep going. Um, and I think that's the, the part that, that really builds you up as a person. Like yeah. even before, I didn't really used to um, exercise that much, although I did like it. I never forced myself to do it every day. But these days, I, I force myself to do it at least five times a week. Um, and it's always difficult, but... Um, I like the after effects, like it, it produces endorphins and it makes me feel happier and I feel a, yeah. a little bit accomplished for the day. So um, I just push through. So you just got to push through even when you don't feel like it. It's the, I suppose it's the small wins that amount to the bigger wins and help to develop us and mold us as a person, right? Yeah. So I want to ask you in terms of representation, Regularly, we see representation as like the key word in all the new conversations happening in the corporate world, the personal world, in a lot of worlds and a lot of spaces. What do you think of representation and how do you think it matters to you personally and to those around you? Representation is important because I think it also, it will change the, society, the way society views each other. Uh, once you know a little bit more about a community, once you see that community often, it's harder to discriminate against them when mm. they're your friends now, when they're your family members. It's, it's a different type of thinking. And if we can have um, more people of color, more people who are diverse, uh, more people who don't look like um, 
the, the typical norm, whatever that is supposed to be. There's no such thing as normal, really. Um, I think that will change society yeah. and that will um, also change the future for our younger ones, uh, ones that are coming up. And it's, it's really important for young people, especially to see people that look like them doing good in the world and being good role models, being people that they can look up to and um, aspire to be like, um, but in their own way, put their own twist on it. Uh, yeah. I could, and did you ever feel like there was a moment in your life where you weren't represented on perhaps in the media, wherever it may be, and you felt, I suppose, demotivated? Because I know for some people, when I grew up, I remember I, I aspired to be like Trevor McDonald. So, you know, we spoke about Trinidad and Trevor McDonald was the first black anchor man on um, a major news station at 10 o'clock. And I remember, I remember my mom being the proud Trinidadian she was sure. She was like, he's from Trinidad, Sean. She made me study him and so much more. And I grew up and I wanted to be like him. And outside of that, I didn't really think of anybody else except in school when they told me about Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, Nelson Mandela, the great peacemakers. They'd, I didn't really think of anybody else outside of that. So was there anyone with, when you were younger that you looked up to? What, did you have a role model? It doesn't even have to be a celebrity. It can be anyone. Was there someone you looked up to that reminded you that your dreams aren't just dreams? They can turn into reality. Oh, that's a great question. Any role models? Well, closer to home, um, I, I did see a lot of success um, when I was growing up. Uh, so like all my relatives that you know nigerians they're very into education and oh, things yep. like that uh so i guess the closest ones would be like my parents my aunts and my uncles um so i thought success was normal <laughs> i thought like um uh so i think that had the most impact on my life like it was expected for you to do well in yeah. school it was expected for you to go on to university and get good uh jobs and good positions um and because uh, like my parents did and my aunts and uncles did and my grandparents did i i thought that that's just the way life was um in terms of uh wider role models like those who are anchor men or uh, musicians I can't remember right now. I'm sure there are lots of people that I did love. Um, well, yeah, but I can't remember them right now. <laughs> no, I can imagine. There's so many people out there that I think are doing yeah. absolutely inspirational and absolutely amazing things. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess if, I guess for musicians, probably I did love Destiny's Child. Like. <laughs> I like the fact that it was an a, a all um, black girl group and they're different skin tones as well. I yeah. thought that was kind of cool. <laughs> but then some people argue Kelly was better than Beyonce, but Beyonce got more. So it's always that argument I hear regularly from people. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's also the light skin, dark skin argument as well, yeah. which I don't think is 
is very useful for anybody really it doesn't help any of us um because we're both beautiful light skin and dark skin um, and shouldn't be we shouldn't be fighting each other on an issue like this because uh like you can't help the skin that you're born with and um it has its own beauty i think it should be appreciated and not mm. a, a place to argue not something to argue about then how do you feel like we can better those relations as opposed to arguing? Oh, I think that talking about issues like this uh, is a good place to start. Like yeah. Getting it all out in the open and understanding the history behind why people think like this. Because it, it, this kind of thinking, it wasn't always like that, uh, but it was put in place um, well a while back now like <laughs> around the time of slavery um but um since but yeah we need to talk about it uh a lot more than we do and we need to recognize that um what what the systems they put in place they weren't necessarily right they were just what suited them so that's why it was there. Uh, and we don't need to subscribe to that anymore. We can appreciate each other for who we are uh, without fighting. Absolutely. And then that leads me on to talk about. So when we first spoke, we had, I didn't realise that we were talking so much about the country that I'm from, Trinidad um, and Tobago, you know, the land of the Soka and the Kianiva, that's all we're known for. But there's so much more. I want to talk to you about the work that you're doing with the Museum of Wales, talking about a reframing history project. I want you to explain that and to go into that because I think that's an absolutely fantastic project. And again, proves the point that just because you're pretty or you're beautiful doesn't mean that you don't have a brain that goes with it. Could you tell me a little bit more about that? Ah, well, I'm, I have the opportunity to work with the Museum of Wales on reframing Picton. So there was a gentleman by the name of Thomas Picton, who was the governor of Trinidad uh, a really long time ago. Uh, I think, was it 1800s? Something like that. Yeah. And he, uh, he was celebrated because he won the Battle of Waterloo. So they decided to create this statue of him and this yeah. seven foot portrait of him, which they hung in the Museum of Wales. And underneath it, they would always say, oh, it's a controversial topic. He's a controversial figure, but they never say why. Thanks to Black Lives Matter, uh, the museum has decided to change its ways and they want to expand on the actual story of Picton and say why he's a controversial um, figure because the people of Wales have been um, sort of petitioning against him, or some of them have, uh, for a while, but nothing's happened until now. So he was controversial because even though he was the governor of Trinidad, he didn't treat his subjects very well. He did things like uh, decapitate them and burnt them alive because they're black. And also there was this particularly horrible thing that he did to a 12-year-old girl who was accused of stealing, like it was his best friend's uh, mistress, but she was only 12, uh, which was quite bad. Um, and he had her tortured 
for uh, an, a few hours um, and he stuck, he had them stick a wooden spike in her foot and hang, and ha he had her hang from her hand um, from the ceiling and he tortured her for eight months and did a bunch of other things that are quite horrible to her. So we're trying to tell this story in the Museum of Wales, expand on that story. And we're gonna use that as a gateway to tell happier stories and celebrate uh, uh, black people and other ethnic groups as well. Um, and their contribution to British history as well. Because a lot of the times when you think about Britain, you don't think about black people and you don't think about the contributions that they have made to this nation. But They've made so many contributions, um, including like World War II, World War I. Uh, we had Caribbean and African and Indian soldiers fight in, this, in these wars. And we even had Chinese soldiers fighting on behalf of the British. Uh, but these uh, characters, they don't get celebrated as much as uh, white soldiers do. Um, so I think it's... I was really happy to be involved in this project because I, it's something that's quite close to my heart. It's something that I think would benefit younger people as well because it, it makes a difference when you can see yourself um, as a part of the UK. You can see, you can think about um, World War Two and not just think, oh, it's just a bunch of white people fighting yeah. over there. My um, ancestors who fought, it's, it's a world war. It does make sense. Uh, so, yeah, it's different. it makes a difference. Because I remember I, for the BBC, I did a, um, a recreation with one of my friends um, about Robbie Clark, who was like the first ever black slash mixed race air pilot in World War II. And I never knew that. I, when I thought of the world war, I, I didn't think anything of black people. I didn't really think of anything. I just thought of a bunch of young men and some young women that died in the war. That was it, pretty much. Yeah, same here. And it used to, that used to make me sad, actually. And I used to think, oh, why, do, why don't they ever teach me a history that I care about? I don't care about this. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, because I, I, didn't, I didn't see why I should. I thought it would was just my friend's ancestors that were fighting in the war. Um, yeah. Then I asked my dad one day, um, uh, did we ever fight in any wars? And he actually told me that uh, some of his uncles fought in World War II um, in Northern yeah. Africa. Yeah. So I was like, oh, wow. I didn't know it was actually close to me. I didn't know I had anything to do with this. <laughs> so through what you're doing, you're able to make history, I suppose, in a crude sense, more relatable and for people to understand that you said the person, the individual you spoke about, he was seen as a hero because he defeated Napoleon, which made himself more complex. Because whenever we think about, for example, individuals like Churchill, who helped to stop the Germans invading, he was good, but then he was racist. He stopped the feeding of so many people. He did so much. So there's all these nuances to all these heroes, but we're not given the true nuanced truth about who they are. So what you're doing, you're reframing history in a way that's tangible for people like me and you, and even for white people, whoever else, to understand history. Why, 
I know it's important to you, and I know you said it was important to you because when you were growing up, you didn't really see it. But why do you think it's become, a, it's become such a prominent issue? Is that because of Black Lives Matter? Or do you think there's always been this calling for people to want history to relate to them? I think it's a bit of both. I think a lo- for a long time, uh, people have been calling for things like this. To, for, for them to explain history a little bit better um, for, uh, because it gives you a sense of identity and that's what people really need uh, because it gives them a sense of direction in life and it can help them go on do great, to do great things if they know who they are. Um, I also think that Black Lives Matter has helped as a catalyst. It's made this process a lot faster and the whole lockdown helped to move that on forward because everyone's on their phones all the time everyone's gonna be um, in media all the time so they will be looking at the news they'll be seeing these different things and they'll be more inspired and encouraged to do something rather than um back when we were allowed outside people were kind of doing their own business um but yeah okay and do you feel that the world is moving into a better place in terms of the way we deal with history and the way we deal with race issues in particular? I, I am optimistic. I, I do feel that uh, when, when I'm speaking to people on, on a normal basis, I do feel that race relations have gotten uh, better. I think there's still some way to go. I think there's a lot of hurt feelings that have um that are still underneath the surface um it, it can be kind of superficial uh but i do think that if things are getting better and i'm quite optimistic for the future uh I, I do think that we have to keep talking about it and not just forget about it uh because that that's what we've been doing for a long time um we'd see something um that was bad and that was an injustice and we'd get upset for a while but then we'd go back to normal go back to doing the same thing again and again and we need, we need to stop doing that we need to uh make changes uh to so that we can actually move forward this time and i would love to know right you we've spoken about a lot about the history and the work that you've like that you're doing how far along has that come? How close are you towards the objective of how you're going to reframe history with that particular project? Well, museum work takes actually a long time. I didn't realize how long it actually takes. So our original uh, I, uh, deadline was supposed to be, we wanted it done by November, but mm. it's November and we've realized that it's going to take a bit longer. So we're aiming for april march to have our displays up and the museum ready for people to enter in i I suppose it's good that it's it's all right that we're not ready because we can't really let people in anyway right now (laughs) so it gives us more time to plan and more time to get the artists in and the writers in and more time to do this thing properly and nicely and I'd love to know, if you win, if you go on to win the All African Colours contest, 
what would you do with your newfound title and your newfound fame? Uh, so uh, winning this title uh, would be a collective effort. I've said that from the beginning, well, in my mind and in my heart, that uh, I didn't want to just win for the sake of it. I wanted to win um, for all of us because when anyone does anything great, it takes a village to do great things. Like the proverb says, um, it takes a village to raise a child. I think it takes a village to do something great. So I would love the chance to represent uh, Miss All African Colours to a national stage to um, in uh, Miss England. Mm. And also, whilst I'm doing that, I still want to promote Equip Africa and uh, get more involved with raising funds and raising awareness. Uh, I also want to support the local communities around and I think there's a few projects that the Miss All African Colours organisation has in line. So mm -hmm. I would like to get involved with some of that. I think they're having a, um, a, a uh, it's a talent show called uh, Hearts of Talent. Uh, yeah, I believe it's Hearts of Talent. It used to be called Brent Factor. And yeah. it was, their focus is about um, improving people's talents and so, so it's um getting young black and um ethnic minority youths from the ages of i think it's about 11 to 30 to come together to, to come and develop themselves as artists or whatever their talent happens to be so it would be great if i could get involved in that as well um, but one of my dreams is um to not just wear the crown for me but give other women the chance to wear the crown um, because uh, even just wearing my finalist crown um, and giving it to other young girls and young women to wear I could see the way it made their face light up so I would love to do a project like saying I am Miss All African Colours or we are Miss All African Colours and um, just something where we, they can get ground up, they can take pictures with that crown. Um, even though there's only one winner, it's, it's a collective, it's a representative of us all. Uh, so that's one of my dreams. Uh, that, that is lovely. That's beautiful. It's all about if you achieve success, bringing the escalator back down for others to be able to climb up, you know? Yeah. We, we come up together. And if, what is it? If we fall, we fall as a team. And if we get up, we get up as a unit. That's that yeah. kind of mentality. And I ask everybody this question. If you had a magic wand, what would you change about the world we live in and how would you change it? Ooh, if I had a magic wand, what would I change about the world that we live in and how would I change it? Mm. Ooh. It can be anything, absolutely anything. Anything. Hmm. I think I, I think one of the first things I would do would be to at least let everybody start on the same level financially because there's so much um, 
there's so many inequalities in the world when it comes to finances. I don't want anybody, I wouldn't want anybody to start living below the breadline. I know that you get this, um, you get some success stories where they struggled and they made it to the top, but not everybody gets the chance to do that. And especially if you're very young and you don't have anyone. So I would make, make that my wish. Uh, so everybody can start on the same level financially and also everyone would have the support they need so that they can go and do something that they want to do or do something um, that they've dreamed of doing with their lives so like everybody have the right kind of support because it, it's oh. important. no i absolutely agree with that i think equality of opportunity is so important and i think exposing people to those opportunities is what's going to allow them to be the people that they want to be and how best and we support them. I want to say a huge thank you for you joining me on my podcast. Also, I want you to tell all of us where can we support you? How can we support you? And also, I'm going to make sure you send your links to my podcast so I can put it in the bio with our conversations so people know where to support you and how to vote for you, most importantly. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, well, thank you for having me here. Uh, you can support me through voting. So you can vote uh, if you text 6333 uh, to, yeah, you, that's the number you text. And what the message you text is MISS, in capital letters, AAC01. And that's my number. Um, and my Instagram is ha underscore adadapo. Uh, so you can find me there. That's definitely. And what would be your final words for everyone that's watching and that will go on to perhaps use this as a template to apply for All African Colours contest? Don't be afraid of doing something different. Uh, it might shock you and lead you into a place that you never thought you'd ever be. So yeah, come and join in. It's, it's a different type of world. It's nothing like you think you've seen on TV. It's, it's different when you're, when you're in it. So it's, it's a very good um, heat so far. It's been really good. I have no complaints. Thank you so much. I have, it's been, a great to have a conversation and especially even with the work talking about Trinidad, I learned something new today. So I'm looking forward to us chatting and us being able to write a little article on it perhaps as well to spread yes. the great work that you're doing. I'm definitely looking forward to that. So what I'll do for now is I'll put this up. I'll say, tell everyone to come and check out your stuff because I think they're going to enjoy it. So I want to say thank you so much for joining me for a flower hour episode. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's been fun. Um, I hope you got good content. Uh, I hope it was interesting. No, most definitely. I'll speak to you soon. All right. Thank you so uh, much, Sean. Uh, bye. Bye. I hope you've enjoyed this episode and I look forward to having you again. If you've enjoyed, share, subscribe, follow, and make sure everybody gets to have the blessing that is conversations and remember flower hour is the podcast where conversations blossom